trigger warning. This episode deals with the history and the aftermath of the genocide against the Ova Herero and Nama people. It contains descriptive accounts of atrocities that were committed against the Ova Herero and Nama people in the name of German colonialism. This is the first part of a double episode that deals with Germany's colonial crimes leading up to the genocide against the Ova Herero and Nama people. In today's episode, I talk to Sima Lepard of the Nama Traditional Leaders Association and Nandi Mazengo of the Herero Genocide Foundation. Our team thanks both Sima and Nandi for taking time out of their day to talk to us. Hello Sima, hello Nandi, thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Hello, hello, and thank you for having us speak to the world through your platform. You're welcome. I just wanted to thank you again for taking your time, energy and space to record this episode with us. And um, maybe you two want to introduce yourselves to our guests. Um, my name is Sima Leipert. Well, I represent the Nama Traditional Leaders Association Technical Committee on Genocide. Um, but I'm also the granddaughter of a woman whose mother was rented out from a concentration camp. Uh, my great-grandmother survived Shark Island concentration camp and later gave birth to my grandmother, who is a product of rape by the German settler to whom her mother was rented out. So I therefore also speak as a child of a genocide survivor and a grandchild of German brutality through the rampant acts of institutionalized and systemic rape by the German troops and the German settlers. The Nama Traditional Leaders Association represents all the Nama traditional authorities in Namibia, which are registered and gazetted in terms of the Traditional Authorities Act um, of 2000 of Namibia. So I'm happy to be with you. Thank you, Sima. We're very happy to have you here. And yes, uh, thank you again. I am Nandi Madengo. I'm the chairperson of Ovaherero Genocide Foundation. Ovaherero Genocide Foundation is the technical arm of the Ovaherero Traditional Authority, which is really the governance structure of Ovaherero people, uh, representing well over 90% of them. And so this is the, the, the arm that advises the leadership on issues of restorative justice and our pursuits for, for justice, uh, which we've been demanding for the last 100 plus years. So I'm, I'm the leader of that technical arm. Uh, of course, my story is, uh, is a bit similar to the one uh, narrated by my sister Sima, uh, because I too on this side am a descendant of some... some um, uh, because my own my own grandmother is uh, was was fathered by a German soldier. Uh, as a family, we have no knowledge of who that soldier was. Uh, my grandmother was into this dark in complexion family, but she was as white as as uh, as, as Europeans come, Caucasians come, and and so that is the story we know. But more than anything else, we are here to really talk about the justice that our people have been demanding for the last hundred years and uh, which we have been denied and which this uh, so-called agreement that, that is now under discussion in the Namibian parliament uh, has actually denied us. And, 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 you know, so yeah, we are here to speak directly to our German 
cousins, uh, the German people whom we regard as friends of our struggle. And we are here to, to really ask them to, uh, to advise their government to do the right thing. And that is to talk to the people uh, whom uh, the, 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 their predecessor government, uh, the imperial German state actually uh, looted from. They looted from the people who were born into societies that were destroyed by that colonial administration uh, in our territory here in Namibia, back then, German Southwest Africa. So thank you. Thank you, Nandi and Sima, for being here. We're very grateful and we're honored to have you here. Again, I just have to emphasize that it, that you take your energy and time to do this with us today. Sima, could you talk about what actually happened between 1904 and 08 in um, what is today known as modern-day Namibia? Yes, yes, thank you very much. Um, yeah, prior to the genocides, the Oberherero um, sovereign polities of Herero land comprised a federation of Herero-speaking groups who were governed by chiefs and at times a paramount chief and who were subject to customary Oberherero law. Um, at the same, the Nama sovereign polities of Great Namako land um, comprised a confederation of the Nama who were governed by what we call Gaugu or, or kings and uh, subject to the supremacy of uh, customary Nama law. So uh, the Berlin Conference from 1884 to 1885 set the political and legal ground rules for uh, control and also for colonization. And so following the Berlin Conference, Germany dispatched uh, Imperial Commissioner Dr. Heinrich um, Ernst Göring to negotiate and conclude protection treaties. Heinrich Göring, um, is the father of the very same Göring who served uh, under Adolf Hitler during the Nazi regime and who was responsible for the Jewish Holocaust. So <laughs> it seems to me that the young Göring certainly learned well from his, his father. First, the treaties are founded, were founded on promises of bilateral protection. So Germany promised protection against external forces and in exchange, the Nama and Oberherero polities promised German citizens living in or traveling through their territories that they would be protected. Secondly, the treaties explicitly secured and retained Oberherero and Nama sovereignty. By, so by agreeing to those treaties, the German government recognized and thereby affirmed Oberherero and Nama sovereignty. The German government promised that the German citizen who chose to settle there would be subject to Oberherero and Nama customary law. Thus, the Nama and Oberherero polities remained independent. But when Gaup uh, uh, Hendrik Wittboy of the Wittboy Nama people, the Tovese clan, persistently refused to sign a treaty with Germany, um, on the night of April uh, 12, uh, 1893, uh, Kurt von Francois and his troops approached Wittboy's hometown at Horenkranz, announcing that the troops' mission is to exterminate the tribe of the, of the Wittboy. And he explicitly used the word, the word Fjernichten um, to, to exterminate. So we consider this actually 
that this was the first extermination order that was made by, by Kurt von Francois. Then following this, there was again a, a, a second, a second uh, extermination order when Germany replaced von, uh, Franz, uh, Francois with Governor Theodore Lloydwein in the late 1893. Um, and his policies were often described as those of the divide and conquer in order to expand German influence by seizing land. When he was frustrated by Lloyd Wein's failure, the Kaiser replaced Lloyd Wein with von Trotta to complete the expropriation through policies of genocide and also to just to solve the so-called black question. So um, the Kaiser instructed von Trotta to end the war by fair or foul means with an expression of his fullest confidence in von Trotta's insight and experience. And this is how the second extermination order of October 2nd, 1904 was carried out. The horror which ensued is widely known. Um, while the Kaiser ultimately lifted the extermination order um, against the Oberherero uh, and replaced it with a policy of enslavement, he made it clear uh, by letter to von Trotta that he had fully approved of and ratified his actions. In um, about in late September 1904, 19 Witboy men wrote to Hendrik Witboy. Um, Germany had conscripted them as mercenaries in the war against the Oberherero, and they saw what happened at Waterberg. And so they escaped to inform Chief Witboy about the German war crimes at, at, at Waterberg. And so Witboy had no other option than to launch a defensive strike. And days later, Witboy set an official declaration of war that he explicitly sent to Governor Lloyd Wein. Um, on the 22nd of April 1904, von Trotta issued a new extermination order using the Ovaherero extermination order as a template. And yeah, this is wh what happened. Um, curiously enough, the extermination order that was made against the Nama people was until today, until this day, that extermination order was never rescinded. It was not, it, it never has been withdrawn. It's still, you know, yeah. Wow. So that is, that is basically the history behind it. And I think just to quickly also add that to what Sima said, mm -hmm. uh, just, just to make sure that our people really got his message. Mm -hmm. The Ovaherero extermination order was actually translated into a Sherero so that the Herero people would know what it really says. The one for the for, for the Nama, because they could speak Dutch, it was translated into Dutch. So Lothar von Troda mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that we got that our people got his message. That first they are all to leave this country. Uh, whoever is found will be shot dead. All of that. So there is no mistake. Uh, in terms of what, who the targeted people were, and 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 yeah, that's why that's why these things were were translated in languages that those two uh, groupings. Uh, what I would also say, those two nation states, the Herero and the Nama on the other side, so that they get his message. So the question of uh, you know he didn't know or he could not distinguish uh, between these groups. It does not hold water. He knew exactly who he was targeting, because those two groups, as 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 Sima said earlier on, 
the 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 of a Herero polity of Herero land mm-hmm. and and the Nama polity of Great Namakwa land. They their land actually comprised of what is today eighteen percent of of present day Namibia. Uh, Lothar von Troda knew that these are the people to be guarded rid of mm-hmm. if they are to access the riches of Namibia, because eighty percent of present day Namibia back then used to be you know, a combination of the land of Great Damakwa land and of Herero land. So it is the Hereros and Namas that he wanted to get rid of. There was no mistaken identity there. This is, wow. My brain is racing right now because both of you may touch on so many points that prove how um, the history of the Third Reich in Germany is inextricably linked to the genocide of the Overhereronama people um, from the father of Göring to how even the vocabulary and grammar that the German colonialists use um, was the same that was used um, when they were um, yeah, planning and strategizing the genocide of Jewish people and other minorities doing the Shoah. So that is... Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It all started here. Even the idea of concentration camps, mm-hmm. it is here where they started that. Uh, Shark Island, as, uh, as, as my sister Sima said, was one of the biggest camps here. So it all started here. The experiment, uh, the beheading of people and all these... Uh, Uh, pseudo-scientific experiments, all those things were were started here. So this is where, you know, it all started. And, and, it's, uh, and this is why we say uh, the justice that was that was actually handed down to uh, the Jewish people whose, whose genocide, what we, call, what, what we call the Holocaust, came almost 30 years after ours. You know, we say uh, that too is what should be extended to us. Because there is no difference between what happened to, mm-hmm. to to the Jews in Europe and what happened to us here. There is just none whatsoever. Leading up to this, I was wondering if shifting the narrative about the way Germans planned, strategized and implemented the genocide also means that Germans and the descendants of German settlers in Namibia would have to take responsibility and actually address the genocide in its full monstrosity. The way I see it, Germans avoid being held accountable altogether by sweeping it under the rug or addressing it in a very shallow manner. So how exactly does Germany engage in a strategy of denial regarding the genocide? The official discourse really has remained um, in denial of a genocide. Ever since the independence of Namibia, we have been in denial um, of, of a genocide. Um, just recently, the, on the 2nd of October, uh, marked the commemoration of the extermination order against the Ovaherero people. And despite this, not a word was uttered by the highest office of the Namibian government. This just shows you, you know, that they, we continue to be in denial. No official commemoration or no remembrance, remembrance service was held. And it was really only the Ovaherero and Nama people who took a minute of silence and a day of silence in remembrance of 
these brave um, warriors. And this shows you really the utter disdain of the Namibian nation for what happened during the German colonial period. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Namibian historical narrative is very ethnic and very tribalistic, and it is rooted, I must say, in the formation of the Ovambo People's Organization, which then later became the Southwest Africa People's Organization. So the official narrative celebrates the launching of the Swapo armed struggle in the, in the 1960s, and it celebrates this through... Um, Um, memorials, through national monuments, and through national remembrance holidays. Yet the first ever armed resistance against colonialism in today's Namibia remains swept under the carpet, um, as if our existence and citizenship are totally irrelevant in an independent Namibia. Um, If you just look at the names of our southern settlements and villages and towns, these continue to celebrate um, colonial rule, just the place where I come from. It's called Malta Her. Um, it's, it's called, it's named after the wife of uh, von Bergsdorf, which was a German Schutztrupper. His wife's name was, was Malta. And um, it's actually Malta Her. It's like the Malta Heights, you know, the mountains that surround mm-hmm. the, the village. And the original name is Dave Paus. But uh, we officially, it's not known as Dave Gauss. It continues to celebrate this woman whose husband was a Schutztrupp and was uh, uh, responsible for, for, the, for, for the genocide that happened um, in that place. So the, in, if you look at the municipality in the capital city of Namibia, it is adorned with a gross statue of the very same man who ordered the first genocide against the Nama people. And our government is uh, unfortunately oblivious to this giant statue. So uh, somehow one starts to feel that the lives and deaths of some are considered more important than, than others. And therefore, national grieving and national mourning uh, continues to remain selective in an independent Namibia. If I may also just add to what my sister have said there, mm-hmm. It is true, and there's a convolution of issues that comes to the fore why some of these issues are actually, especially like uh, what Sima have said, for the governing majority uh, who largely comes from the Oshivambo group, genocide is not their history. They were not affected by this. And so like she says, they want to celebrate the part of, 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 of history where they came onto the scene and, and where they now glorify themselves as the heroes and the liberators of the country, because that is what they use to to access state power. What they would not want to be known is that their struggle is actually inspired by the resilience and and, and those who survived the genocide, because, you know, it, it all started from the genocide times, and it is those survivors largely coming, coming from the Ovahero and the Nama people who would actually inspire other groupings and who would be, you know, uh, who would lay the first seats for, for nationalism and, 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 and all of that. So, but because they have this interest of entrenching themselves in state of in political power, they don't want that part talked about. Equally, it is true for the 
are descendants of the German uh, settlers who are here today living on the land and all of that. They they also don't want, you know, that part of, of history actually talked about because what they want to project is a is a is a, is an image of a, of a group of people who are well organized, uh, who work very hard. Most of them who are on these farms, they don't want to tell the history that these farms are actually spoils of the war. They were looted from our people, mm-hmm. and they did. Their parents did not pay a dime for them, but they want to project themselves as successful businessmen who are you know who are doing the sort of things that we as black people don't do. Maybe you know. So that that is the that is why some of this is not talked about because the two groups that are privileged, those in, that are privileged in political power, they don't want to talk about it because this is how they they use their own uh, their own chapter of history uh, to to glorify themselves and to and to access political power. On the other side, the white settlers they they use the silence. Uh, on 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 the genocide history to entrench themselves and to continue the privileges, you know that that they that they have as a consequence of the spoils of the war that they still uh, continue to 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 hold on to and and to live off. Yeah. And piggybacking off what you both said, would you agree that Germany engages in a strategy of denial regarding the genocide because talking about the fact that the genocide happened, shifting the narrative also would mean to white Germans and uh, the descendants of German settlers in Namibia to take responsibility and actually um, uh, regard the the planning, the implementation, and the strategization of the genocide in its, you know, monstrosity. Look, the, the, the truth of the matter is that as far as we are concerned, Germany has not arrived at a point where it wants to genuinely deal with this chapter. Mm-hmm. It, it pays lip service to it. Of course, we know that as a as a big uh, global economy and, and, and all of that, it has ambitions. Uh, it, it wants to uh, join some, some uh, you know, global platforms where decisions are made, and it wants to to be seen as really, you know, dealing with its past. But it is not, it is not genuinely at that point. It only wants to, you know, sort of pay lip service to it. Because first and foremost, when we talk about our genocide and even the discussions that were concluded, Germany continues to deny that it committed a genocide. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it coaches the language. It says that it is only genocide in today's terms meaning it was not genocide at the time when it executed it. And, and they are not hiding it in court papers because as of I know a number of people, we filed a lawsuit in America and the Germans in, in, in their court papers were saying they did not kill humans, they killed savages. So that clearly tells you that this is not a country that is, that is genuine about, you know, addressing its brutal racist and 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 and, uh, and abuse of past. It only wants to be seen as doing that because it wants to, you know, pursue this this agenda that it has on the global stage. Uh, but otherwise, it's not genuine. And this is why we are not surprised that the agreement that was delivered does not even give us justice. Does not even uh, talk about reparations. It only talks about development aid. Because you cannot talk about reparations unless you have admitted guilt 
to genocide as a crime because genocide essentially is is a legal construct you know you you can't you can't modify it into other things you can't transform it into a political and moral construct uh, to which then you 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 refuse to uh, to uh, to to accede to obligations that comes with that and you just say okay uh, i would only offer this and that i mean we are not they are not serious about this whole conversation and that is why we say all of this is just an insult uh, it's just a show for them a gimmick basically mm-hmm. and of course on the namibian side there is desperation they they want the money and so they are prepared to take whatever comes their way also because many of the people who are calling the shots have not gone through this experience you know, because the rulers in Namibia have not gone through the genocide. And so for them, even if they get a billion dollar or two, it doesn't matter. It's still money for them. But for us, it's justice. And it's justice that, you know, we must ensure is not just justice for this generation of today, but it must be justice for all generations, you know, of our people, those living today and those, you know, to come in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to emphasize a little bit of what um, Nandi Nandi has said in terms of the failure and the non-compliance of the declaration that has been initialed. Mm-hmm. The if you if you look at the joint declaration, it avoids to confirm that a crime of genocide was committed, and therefore it uses um, hypothetical language such as um, in inverted commas from today's perspective, and it says uh, in inverted commas, would be called. This is the kind of language that is used. And uh, this is to ensure that the brutal act of genocide is actually not acknowledged. So when people say that Germany has acknowledged, it actually has not acknowledged. Um, And in the absence of acknowledgement of genocide, uh, reparations and legal responsibility cannot be addressed. And thus, this is denying the Nama and the Ovaherero people the right to demand payment for uh, for reparations. Um, The acknowledgement of Germany remains conditional, Mm -hmm. and therefore any apology would remain conditional. And this to us is unacceptable because we are not second-class citizens of this world. We are God's perfect creation, and we will not be reduced to beggars um, of a half-hearted acknowledgement and apology. Um, also, I want to emphasize that the Namibian government, which has been silent for almost a decade mm-hmm. since the passing of the 2006 resolution of the Namibian parliament, is uh, becoming an imposter instead of you know, becoming an interested party. And the legitimate uh, representatives were were excluded. And they can, I also want to emphasize that there can never be an improvement on the declaration itself, because the very principles on which it is founded is actually flawed. And it it is actually also, uh, uh, this is why it is such a racist uh, uh, insult that reinforces white supremacy mm-hmm. and 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 this is why it is completely unacceptable and there is no way that you can even improve the the, the current declaration i just wanted to emphasize that she hit a really right on point to yes. say look 
you know, because now what we are hearing is talk of this, you know, this discussion being reopened and uh, maybe some tweaking and, and twisting of the declaration here and there. And we are saying the document, the whole process that led to it is flawed. So it cannot, it cannot just be cosmetically, you know, changed here and there. Uh, we we see some some racist undertones here also mm-hmm. because what we have what we had throughout the discussions was that Germany, for instance, as a as a as a state, cannot cannot speak to us non-state actors or cannot engage our leadership, the leadership of the two communities who were targeted, because we are not state or states, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but we know for for sure that in the case of the Jews. They did speak to the state of Israel and they signed Protocol 1 with the state of Israel. But they also engaged non-state actors, you know, about 23 committees of Jews from different parts of the world who had, you know, sort of organized themselves into what was called the, the assembly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conference of, of Jewish claims of the world. And so these were non-state actors and Germany under Konrad Adenauer, then chancellor, did engage that group and they signed protocol too with them. So what is the difference? The difference is only one, and that is that those are, you know, Caucasians or Europeans of Caucasian descent, and we are Black Africans. That is the only difference why we cannot directly be engaged. Somebody else have to speak on our behalf, but when it was... uh, fellow Europeans or fellow Caucasians, it was okay to engage them. And also compounded to that is this question that always comes up in all the interviews that we have like this one, where we are always asked, well, you know, how much money do you want? Oh, you know, almost to reduce the whole discussion to money, as if we are just Africans, poor Africans who want to you know, sort of extort money out of out of Germany. It is not true. We want no single penny of Germans. What we want, what we want is that which was taken from us. All we are doing is just attaching a value to what the German imperial state stole from us, the human lives that they took from us, and 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 of course the land. And luckily, the land remains here in Namibia. So we are saying. Take the money that you stole, that you took from us, buy that land, give it back to us. So we we want nothing that is not ours. What we want is just a return of what was taken from us. And of course, that which cannot be retaken, which cannot be returned, restitution, you know, comes in there where you say, okay, fine, I took it, I took this, here's the value. And of course, I'm going to, to, to give you this much to compensate for your loss. So this whole discussion of, of uh, how much money, as if it's just money that we want, and, and, and maybe just to project us as some uh, corrupted Africans who can just be bought, you know? We, we want none of that. We want none of that. We want no money of anybody else other than that, which is, you know, part of the value of what was taken mm-hmm. from us, period. And I just yeah. wanted to say uh, that I found it, was very um, interesting that both of you emphasized and revealed the anti-blackness that is at the heart of this discussion. Something like from from my point of view, 
this is not debatable. This is a genocide, crystal clear. I mean, people should just listen to the descendants and people who have experienced it. They have been saying that and fighting for that, people like you, for a long time. But also, uh, what I wanted to say was, I think it's also very anti-black to place black people, African people into a proximity of money. So I completely agree with you about the whole dehumanizing part of this quote-unquote negotiation because, again, just from my point of view, uh, genocide is not debatable. So it's it's kind of ironic that in 2021 you're still in the position of debating you know, debating of what happened because there's nothing to be debated. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And and why are we again saying it is it is part of the broader racism? In Germany, it's a crime to deny the Holocaust took mm -hmm. place. But still for us, even when the whole world, even when the whole world recognizes this, I think in 1983, 84, the, the UN already recognized our genocide as a genocide. But apparently there is still a discussion in Germany whether indeed it was a genocide or not. And even today, when they do mention the word genocide, they are still denying that it applies to us. Apparently, apparently one of the arguments is uh, that the, the 1948 UN Convention on the, on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide cannot be applied retroactively. The argument is that It came in, into force uh, way after this crime had taken place. But that is double standard because the, 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 the crimes of the Third Reich of, of Adolf Hitler also took place before that convention. But then in that instance, it is okay to recognize that. Also in the instance of the Armenian genocide, which took place uh, around 1915, Germany is quite vocal, recognizing that as a genocide. But in the case of the black people of Namibia, no. So this is this is just racism, and we'll have none of it. Yeah. Thank you. Nandi, 105 years have passed since Namibia hasn't been under German colonial rule. In 1990, Namibia gained its independence from South Africa. As we've mapped out earlier in our talk, colonial continuities are still very present in modern-day Namibia. How were they translated and implemented into the material conditions for Namibians, and especially for the Ovaherero and Nama peoples? And what does it mean for the social fabric of communities? Yeah, now basically what I wanted to say, and I think we, we said this also in passing as we were tackling the, the other questions, You see, what we lost, and, and, and of course, you know, following the, 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 the brutalities of that period, especially between 1904 and 1908, uh, the German state, uh, through deliberate state policies, actually made sure that our people stripped, I mean, were stripped bare. We lost our land, we lost our capital, and all of these things. And of course, um, after Germany lost the First World War, As a, as a trustee territory, we were given to Britain and then we had to be administered by South Africa on behalf of Britain. So Africanas also joined you know, the ranks of those who were to loot from us. And so everything that was taken from us uh, to a large extent continues to be held by, 
uh, descendants of those settlers, either the German settlers or the African settlers from South Africa. And so what has then happened is that, you know, much of the of the of the of the tracts of land that we left on, it was they were they were fenced off. Uh, people were were dumped into small pocket areas that were sort of called reserves that were reserved for the natives. And often these were the most unproductive lands and and, and so forth that were left to them. Uh, these are people who had lost their livelihood for the errors. They are uh, generally pastoralist people. They've been rearing cattle forever. And uh, so, yeah, we were thrown into the small pockets of land for the Namas. Uh, they were small livestock, you know, mm -hmm. uh, rearing people. We have lost all of that. And we were thrown into these small uh, pockets where we, uh, which are generally characterized by uh, it's either overcrowding, overgrazing, and all of that. And, you know, just impoverishment. You know, we were subjected to a poverty that is now intergenerational because it continues to be transferred, you know, across generations. And, and, and the whites of, of, of either German or African descent, they continue to live on, on this land and to enjoy the privileges. Today, uh, perhaps they own almost 70% of the country. And our societies uh, that were torn asunder by these people uh, we they languish in poverty. Of course, the dawn of independence did not change much because those who came in, largely who hails from the northern parts of the country, which were not affected by, uh, by the genocide, they came in and they joined the, the ranks of, of, quite honestly, the looters, mm -hmm. you know, because once, for instance, there is what they call the land uh, acquisition programs, which had noble intentions. And the intentions were to say, we need to acquire land and we need to resettle people who have lost land back onto this land because now our people are landless. Uh, but that's not what is happening on the ground because uh, the colleagues who are in government, when once land is made available, they grab it for themselves. So our people continues to have so many programs um, uh, sort of... Uh, uh, designed or created in their name, but then these programs actually never reaches them. For instance, Germany, through this denialism, where it, 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 it kind of gives signals that like that it wants to do something about, about the situation, but then it doesn't really come outright and say, this is what we want to do. For instance, they came up with a, a program that was called the German Special Initiative, uh, we knew why they called it special because they know the debt that they owe our people. Mm -hmm. uh, they came up with that program, but it was given to the government of Namibia to administer, and money was was pumped into into that program. It never really reached our communities uh, because uh, so it's, it's it's this perpetual uh, sort of pre pretext and pretending like you are doing something about, you know, the situation and that yet nothing happens. And so this is why we are saying this is another one of those agreements that solves nothing. Germany and, and in particular the German citizens, uh, which we, you know, which I've said earlier, are the people that we want to speak directly to, they can continue to pump their money into all these programs, but it will never give them finality until we as the people who were targeted and who have lost all that you know we had until we are engaged and until we sit around the table to define what justice for us really means 
all, all of these exercises are just in futility. They are a waste of your tax dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and really, you, you, you are best advised to, 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 to tell your government to, to cease and desist with it, you know. Yeah. yeah, it still stands out to me that people think black lives, uh, especially black minority groups and indigenous groups, are still something to be debated about. They're still expendable, you know, until this day. That is something that really irks me about this situation, because as you both said, Germany does not engage in the same strategy with other war atrocities um, outside of Africa and the Pacific, so... Um, yeah, it really shows again the racist uh, undertones. Not undertones, it's the whole structure is uh, racist and anti-black in this case. I don't want to minimize or photoshop the damage that was done. I'm going to continue with Sima. In our previous conversation, you've pointed out how narratives around German colonialism marginalize the experience of women, specifically women that were raped. Could you talk about how sexual violence, specifically rape, wasn't an institutionalized weapon during the genocide of the Nama and Ovaherero people, and how that speaks to the genderedness of these atrocities that were committed? Yeah, this is a subject that really is not talked about much. So while the genocide as a whole has received um, some attention in, 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 in scholarship, the gendered experience of women before, during, and also after the genocide has not received much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the reports of widespread rape of indigenous women by the settler forces, um, even prior to 1904, not a single case was heard by the German courts. Um, the rape of local women was so widespread that the German colonial settlers had a special term for it, um, referring to the practice as Verkafferung, or, you know, going native. Or there was also a term used, uh, Schmutzwirtschaft. So, you know, the, the, and, meaning dirty trade. Um, uh, so girls and women were forced to pose nude or they were forced to expose their bodies as German officers pose around them, laughing and smiling um, at these nude women. Some of these nude images were made actually into, into postcards and, and into souvenirs and other memorabilia, uh, which were sent back to Germany by, by the soldiers. Um, when the concentration camps were established for the few survivors, uh, female-only camps were set up to service the German troops. In, in other camps, along with the sexual violence, it was actually the women who were forced to boil the, 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 the heads of, of the children and the men that were uh, chopped off by these, by these, by these soldiers. Um, and often these were their own family members. And then these women and children had to scrape off the flesh with uh, shards of glass um, from, from these heads. Some, some of the survivors were deported to German prisoner of war camps in German Togo and in, in Cameroon. According to the colonies acting governor, these measures were meant to ensure that the people endure a period of suffering or what was known in Germany as 
Leiden's tight mm -hmm. um, in the in the in the concentration camp. And again, it was the governor general was Heinrich Ernst, uh, Ernst Goering, um, who is the father of Hermann Goering, who later became a leading Nazi and Adolf Hitler appointed uh, second in command. Mm -hmm. So executions and mortality rates were so high. And it was from here that people were turned into research and uh, a collector, collector specimen were later deployed as the as the very basis of Nazism. Um, and this is the connection between the, the Nama and Oberherero genocide and, and the whole idea of Nazism. So the, those skulls were then shipped off to museums and universities, as well as anthropological and private collections in Germany um, and, and to provide decades of so-called scientific research as well as, as entertainment. Um, if you allow me, I want to expand a little bit because this of is course, a subject that course. is that is so little addressed. Mm -hmm. In uh, our oral history, has narrated stories of our mothers in concentration camps, um, freezing beyond measure with their children, having nothing to eat, and the children's uh, and the children were sick and and dying. So, if a soldier came to a woman and told her to come with him. She would do it, uh, hoping that the child would be spared some food or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 this is the narrative that we are being told. I, I think it is also important for us to note that the sexual violence was not only a matter of coincidence or of individual male sexual lust, but that it was a part of the colonization and subjugation process. Um, from rape to murder to abduction and sla sex slavery to forced removal of women, the German settlers and the German empire had a very special fate in store for Nama and Ovaherero women. And this fate was a collusion of racism and colonial sciences towards native women's bodies. Clearly, it, it marked the systematic use of sexual violence and the institutionalization of rape um, during and in the aftermath of the, of, of the 1904 to 1908 German period of, of, of savage aggression. Also, this, this sexual aggression on prisoners of war um, in and outside of the concentration camps found expression and was echoed in the racist science, such as eugenics and the you know, racial hygiene. So it was people like Eugene Fisher gained recognition and fame for the notorious studies on racial, on the so-called racial hygiene through forced sterilization experiments on racially mixed people in present day Namibia, um, the majority of whom were born as a result of this institutional rape. Um, I, I think also it is important to, to, to note that the goal of the settler colonizers was to create a new sort of new social and political order um, with the ultimate aim of securing a permanent hold of, of total authority. So this meant that land had to be seized including livestock and other property, 
people had to be displaced and natural resources had to be extracted with the settlers having absolutely no intention whatsoever to return any of those stolen goods, but to rather stay. And so the settler positioned himself um, through all of these acts, uh, both as superior and also as normal. And the, the settler became natural, whereas the native slave became unnatural. Mm -hmm. And through this process, power was consolidated across all the social institutions and the legal mechanisms that reorganized geography, it reorganized access to land, it reorganized cultural practices and family and uh, family and kinship networks. It also reorganized spirituality and identity and ultimately uh, uh, political oppression. And uh, therefore the, the, the very highly gendered and sexual violence and the associated uh, disempowerment of women and girls was an integral part of Germany's strategy of domination. We cannot, we cannot limit our conception of sexual violence to individual acts of rape. Rather, it encompasses a whole range of strategies designed to not only to destroy people, but to to destroy their sense of being a people. So the, the, the colonial sexual, the project of colonial sexual violence then uh, therefore established the ideology that native women and girls' bodies are inevitably and in, 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 innately violable and therefore by extension that indigenous lands are available for them to be taken. So the body of the women and the girls became less valuable also because of what they represent to the colonizer. And what this body represents is land, reproduction, social cohesion, cultural norms and values, and also, you know, kin kinship and, and governance. And so for the colonizer, the women's body carried a symbolic meaning of the ultimate strength of the Nama and Obaherero people. And so psychological destabilization then became a key weapon that was, that was used. So the natives human spirit therefore had to be broken by targeting its girls and its women, because if you rape their women and their girls, you are declaring your superiority as a white race and you convince the natives of their incapacity to resist this superiority. So what a better way to achieve this than to confine them to concentration camps where really the balance of power is completely and unequivocally uh, tipped in, in favor of, of the colonizer. So this is really how I understand the sexual violence that took place and it, 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 you know, it was about it was a psychological warfare that was part of the bigger project of uh, completely destroying these people. Yeah. Thank you, Sima, for highlighting this very important part, also very hurtful part of the German colonial period, because I think people don't realize how much of this, you know, othering this behavior 
um, this colonial domination is still interwoven in the structure, in the fabric of the cultural memory of the genocide when it comes to Germany. Because I think the fate and of the Oberhero Nama women um, was always like it's placed into this abyss of white supremacy where at first sight I feel like I don't have access to these histories but that's why it's important to speak to people like you to shed light because it also shows how um, German colonialism specifically or all kinds of settler colonialism were always invested in the total commodification of the people of their land and of course their women mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you are you are completely you are completely right. Um, I don't know this, you know, this denial. Um, you can't deny. You simply can't deny. I am living evidence of rape mm -hmm. by German settlers and by the German Schutztruppe. I am I'm I'm living evidence of genocide, and I don't need to create a museum, which is in any case a very Eurocentric and Western concept of of remembering things um in you know i don't need to create a museum in order to remember the first ever genocide that was committed in the 20th century i i myself am walking evidence of the women who were who were brutally raped and yeah for 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 us this is not something that happened 117 years ago here i am i'm living evidence it's now it's here i'm present it's me And I, and I cannot be denied because I'm a human being mm -hmm. and you cannot deny me my humanity. Mm -hmm. So yes, this is why um, justice, justice, restore, not just restorative justice is, is very important. Yes. And, and I think also just to add that to what Sima is saying, you know, also that what, what makes one very angry is this argument or this patronizing argument of saying, look, You guys are only descendants. You are not. Uh, you are not the direct victims. You know, it's 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 ridiculous to argue that if you walk into my house and you do something to me, it's only me who's affected. My children are not affected. I mean, if you rob them of their parents, if you rob them of their home and all of that, how do you then say they are not affected? Because this is one of the arguments that we are told that okay, fine, the victims of the genocide are not there anymore. You guys are just. Uh, Uh, some other people who are who are who are taking chances. It's, it's it's preposterous, you know, to argue that way because what the German, what the descendants of the German settlers are are holding today is their private property. This are this is this is actually what otherwise would have been our inheritance because it was taken from our parents, and our parents got nothing in return, and it was passed on to them. But from a position of privilege. They continue to tell us that we are not uh, that we have no case because we are not the people that went through the hostilities. We might not have lived through the the hostilities of that time, but the hostilities of poverty and everything else, societies were 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 completely destroyed. Everything, the order that we had, you know, some of our leaders, um, those who remained here, they had to be here leaderless because the leaders had fled to other countries, you know, it's the leaders who are haunted and, and all of that. Yeah, so yeah, the denialism is really, it's just putting salt into an open wound, honestly, yeah. Um, you know, the uh, my 
my my great grandmother um katrina friedrich um her father was cornelius friedrich and cornelius friedrich the, the german the kaiser um put a price to his head of 3000 deutschmark mm-hmm. and in the concentration camp his head was cut off and his his head was boiled and it was scraped and this skull was packed in a box and today that skull remains in germany it's somewhere in germany it's somewhere in a museum or in somebody's home or at some in a university we don't know where it is and his body the rest of his body is marked is is in an unmarked grave somewhere we don't know where it is and 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 that rest of the body is without a head and that is without a skull and that skull is still in germany it's still haunting germany from somebody's basement and what all that we are saying is return the remains of our ancestors mm-hmm. reveal all the information on findings of any research on the human remains of 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 nama origin and of of herero origin funds generated through trade in human bones um uh, uh, reveal this and all the relevant information in this regard equally these institutions must facilitate and they must finance without delay the return of all the human remains of nama and ovaherero origin to the nama and ovaherero people so that we can respectfully bury our 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 ancestors in, in, in you know according to our custom because nama custom di- dictates that the human remains have to be buried they have to return to the earth because it belongs to the earth that is what our our customs dictate and no government or institution or individual can see the remains of our ancestors as mere objects for display in 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 universities and display in 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 museums it is absolutely sickening um and the, the and doing this to demonstrate some sort of a military success Mm-hmm. um or for for whatever reasons i mean it is our right to receive and to bury these remains of our ancestors um yeah yeah i just wanted to emphasize that and and, and that is why and that is why also just to follow up on what sima said there to say for us that the whole discussion that must be had between ourselves and and the german uh state uh, which is the heir to the imperial state that wronged us you know this is why we say some of these things it's, it's not just all about money mm-hmm. for instance it is about the return of those body parts of our people you know so the, the whole patronizing approach of of belittling our quest for justice to just money you know it, it, it's sickening it's really sickening because we are saying return some of those things because you still could what kind of people would want to have body parts of other people in their homes you know just simply return those things you know so for us it's not just uh, money it's really the last thing and by the way like i said earlier that money if and when it comes it's not going to be german money it's going to be our money that is just being returned because it is it is proceeds of things that were taken from us 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, the, 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 the whole package, when it comes, and as defined by us, is going to have a whole lot of things in it. Of course, money for those things that cannot be returned would be there. But those things that can be returned, our wish and our priority is that they be returned, period. And those body parts of our ancestors are paramount and, and, and they are top priority, you know. Yeah. Sima, your fight for justice has been going on for a long time. In 2017, you have also acceded to a New York court for your lawsuit against the German government demanding reparations. However, the lawsuit was dismissed as it was said that the court did not pose jurisdiction over Germany. Could you touch on the notion of restorative justice in this context and how legal venues could force Germany to recognize the genocide as a crime under international law? Or maybe also where law has failed in reproduce neocolonial conditions? Yes, um, I'm going to I'm going to be very short on this mm-hmm. one. Okay. Yes, there are there are various legal avenues, even though you know we are made to believe <laughs> that this is something impossible, given the gravity and the scope of 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 what took place. It, it, it becomes very clear that both the German and Namibian governments uh, do not have the 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 locus standi. To, to to represent the Nama and the Ovaherero people, and and also they have shown they have shown no interest to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yes, we we went to court in in 2017 because we saw that uh, our government is not interested in 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 this issue, and we also know that the German government is not interested in this issue and therefore we had to seek other avenues and it was actually the court case that forced germany to you know just try and get into some sort of negotiation which has really failed um the lawsuit was dismissed not on 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 its content or you know the validity of the argument but it was dismissed on uh, only on the issue of of jurisdiction Mm-hmm. And I think it is important for us to note that the court did say that a terrible international crime was committed, but the issue cannot be pursued in a U.S. court. So, so I think this is important to, 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 to note. We have uh, embarked on other legal avenues. For the first time, we have actively engaged the U.N., We have made a submission of alert to the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. We have also uh, made a submission to the UN Committee on Human Rights, where we have tabled an alternative report because Germany is now under review. Germany handed in a report to the UN Committee on Human Rights on its human rights record. And so we have made an alternative report to the report of Germany in order to show the UN Committee on Human Rights that Germany has actually not fulfilled um, its human rights obligations. And we, uh, I I must also say that even though it's very early days, um, Mm -hmm. we have been granted a very initial hearing 
by the UN Committee on Human Rights. And that hearing is actually supposed to take place tomorrow um, where our lawyers will represent us. We are very ready with our arguments to put forward to the UN Committee on, on Human Rights. Our lawyers are going to represent us, but we will also have from our side, um, my, myself from the NAMA side, will together with my colleague Diodat are going to be the expert witnesses and we are also going to have a witness from the Obaherero Traditional Authority and the Obaherero Genocide Foundation. So even though it's very early days and one does not want to get too excited because in the mm -hmm. strict sense of the word, the committee has not really accepted as you know, accepted our argument yet. Uh, tomorrow we are only going to make a legal argument for the applicability of Article 25 of the International Covenant. So that is that is what we have done. And in addition, we have also the a submission was also made on our request and uh, on our behalf by the society for threatened people that is based in in Germany. So, you know, we we are we the technical team is under instruction to leave no stone unturned and to continue engaging all uh, UN uh, agencies and all UN systems and also the African Union, the African uh, Commission on on Human Rights and including avenues for reaching the International Court of Justice. And we believe that we can reach the International Court of Justice through the special, through the UN Special Rapporteur and through the UN Trusteeship Council. Mm -hmm. um, our lawyers are convinced that this can be done. And so these are all the legal options while we are continuing with the lobbying and with the you know, political lobbying and so on, and the awareness raising. We are also engaged in 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 uh, looking at what international legal mechanisms and legal instruments are available for us, and we are actively um, pursuing those together with our lawyers. We are not throwing out the possibility of litigation um, inside Namibia. Should obvious as should the the parliament that is discussing the issue now should they decide to take a majority vote, we are prepared for for litigation. So yeah, this is this is where we are, and and we will fight. <laughs> we are not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. we, the German government is not going to make us disappear. Um, the Namibian government is not going to make us disappear. Even if I. Even if this does not happen in my lifetime, my 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 daughters just returned from school now. They mm -hmm. can hear what I'm talking. You know, they are silent in the background, but they can hear what I'm talking, and it is going. You know, in in that in that little back brain of theirs, it is that the 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 the, the message they are getting the message, and they will continue. They will continue, and they will say, "Aha, is this what my mother was talking about?" They will read. They and even if we don't achieve uh, restorative justice now, our children will continue to fight for it. 
And absolutely, and absolutely, just to add to what Sima have said there, mm-hmm. and and even if the if the instruments, perhaps if some smart lawyers, uh, you know, come and tell us and they say, and they say look, guys, they, they, those instruments don't exist for you because because we firmly believe in the justness of our cause because we firmly believe that we are on the side of the truth. We are not going to relent. You know, my late Paramount Chief Rokoro used to say, we'll fight to hell and back. And and we continue to say, look, laws are made by people. And for so long as people are mobilized and they are brought to the understanding of what has really transpired, those laws could be made, you know, because, and this is why, for instance, we particularly have an interest in speaking directly to, to the German people, because like I said, we consider you as friends of our struggle because we know too that you know it was the german people that put pressure on their government uh, in the wake of the second world war when all the horrors and all these things were actually laid bare for everybody to see the atrocities that have been you know uh, committed by the third the third Reich of, of Adolf hitler it was the german people themselves the ordinary men and women who stood up and said the government must do right you know, must correct that which it has done wrong. And that is how uh, Conrad Adenauer, you know, led the, the team to really engage the Jews and to, and to come up with, 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 uh, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a justice package that is, that is uh, commensurate with the losses that they have incurred as a people. So we, we continue to believe that the same German people who, who could tell their, their government to make right of that wrong, they can they can still do it now and and of course we now have an opportunity because uh, i think a new coalition will come to power last is it last month when you had the last election uh, the government of angela merkel is not is not is not the leader of the coalition anymore mm-hmm. uh, so we have we have an opportunity to do this right but like my sister mm-hmm. said if it does not happen in our lifetime we are in no hurry to conclude this because like what the British were saying when they were talking about the uh, the Brexit, they were saying a bad deal is worse than no deal. So if I am content to return to, to, to my ancestors without a deal, uh, you know, if, if it's not a good deal, I can I can rather bequeath the struggle to, to those who are to come after us so that they can pursue it and, and so that, you know, they would not tomorrow say we can't do anything because our parents and our you know ancestors actually actually what is it uh, compromised the struggle they surrendered they they gave up we are not about we are in this for the long haul if things don't happen in our lifetime we are in no hurry to conclude anything that is not good for our people we want real justice and that entails the return of what was taken from us or the restoration of our people to where they would have been today had that genocide not been committed on them. And that's all we ask for. We ask for no favors. We ask for no anything extra, just that which belongs to us, period. Wow. I think just to conclude, for us, this is not just the struggle of two people in Namibia. It is really a struggle about all people who wants a fairer world, who wants a peaceful world, uh, who wants a, a prosperous world. And I think that was the realization in the wake of the 
of the of the night of the second world war when the second world war actually ended the world realized that our our destiny as a people is actually inter intertwined uh without development there cannot be peace without justice there cannot be peace uh because actually peace begets i mean justice begets peace people would say they are peaceful or they are at peace with each other but if there are still issues that that are unsettled like this question of genocide you know there would never be genuine peace <clears throat> so really my appeal to all people and not here in Namibia but more so in Germany and and across Europe is to say we as a people who were robbed we are prepared to engage to talk so that we can together you know sit around the table and really resolve this outstanding question of the first genocide of the 20th century and, and and my appeal to you is that we know or you know where we are it we are perfectly here and able to speak for ourselves if we if you genuinely want this issue resolved speak to us don't speak to us through a third party don't speak to us through the namibian government or somebody else who uh, appointed themselves to speak for us we are here as the legitimate representatives of our people and we 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 await that call or that place to be told to, you know where the conversation will be taking place at so yeah that's where we are and of course for the ovahero site we have a we have a website of ahero genocide foundation just write that in any such you know platform and you will be taken to to the address yeah thank you <laughs> thank you nandi sima again for taking your time and space energy to record this episode with us i appreciate that you actually um did this with us and this is coming from a place of sincerity and appreciation and um with that i'm going to say goodbye and thank you goodbye thank you thank you for having thank us thank you bye 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 we want to thank our guests sima lepad and nandi masengo and we want to thank you our listeners I also want to thank our curatorial team, Michael and Julia. And a quick reminder for our listeners, this podcast is the first part of a double episode. The next episode features sociologist Dr. Zoe Zamutsi and curator and artist Kathleen Bumani. The podcast is a production of the Humble Forum 2021.